Good morning, everybody. How you doing? All right. Why don't we stand? I want to talk to you this morning a little bit more about what we started into last week. Uh, if you missed last week, I just encourage you to check that out online. What a great resource, huh, that we can go back online and check things out. So uh, anyway, uh, kind of at its core, uh, I want to talk to you. I want to just have a conversation about paying attention to our made in God's image self, okay? Uh, that, which is, uh, as Claire referenced earlier, is the Imago Dei, that you and I are created in God's image and likeness. That's what the scripture tells us. So I want to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, now imagine the possibilities, for instance, uh, if we brought our best self to the world. Imagine, just imagine what could happen with the people in this building, everybody in this room and everybody upstairs, the kids and such, if we all brought our best self to the world. I think that that's, uh, that's our desire, isn't it? Isn't that kind of underlying in all of our lives? We really want to show up. God created us to show up so uh, and bring that. So let's read the scripture. This is a beautiful scripture in Ezekiel, um, and we'll break this down a little bit. Ezekiel 1, 1 through 10. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I, uh, Ezekiel, as I was among the exiles by the river of Shebar, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. So uh, if you're not familiar, Ezekiel is one of the prominent Old Testament prophets, so he's having a vision. On the fifth day of the month, this is the fifth year of exile of King Jehoiakim. The word of the Lord came to the priest Ezekiel, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was on him there. As I looked, a stormy wind came out of the north, great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the middle of the fire, something like a gleaming amber. In the middle of it was something like four living creatures. This was the appearance, this was their appearance. They were, in hu- they were of human form, each had four faces, each of them had four wings, Their legs were straight, the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's foot, and they were sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on the four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each of them moved straight ahead without turning as they moved. As for the appearance of their faces, let's read this together. The four had the face of a human being, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle. This was uh, how their face, such were their faces actually is what it starts to say. So, So Father, right now, in the midst of reading a scripture that can seem like much, like there's just a lot going on here, God. We pray that you would bring some clarity for us and help us to live into the way you have made us. And we're so grateful for the way you've made each one of us. What a gift as we just consider those around us. What a gift. Uh, The beauty of one another's uniqueness made in your image. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You can go ahead and sit down. Um, So there's two places. There's uh, there's different accounts um, where... 
in Scripture where there's like close calls of somebody seeing God. Or like at one point, the Scripture says that Moses sees the back of God, that God kind of moves past. Moses sees God's back. Um, a lot of theologians believe that is just prophetic, a prophetic picture of its Moses. It's a, it's a communication of how Moses actually writes the first five books of the Bible, is that there's this communication of the history of God on, on living through people. So it's, whether that's true or not, who knows. But uh, one, at one point, it says you cannot see the face of God and live, right? There's other close calls, you know, Elijah, Elijah. Uh, Almost seems to almost see God's face, but doesn't see God's face. Um, Moses has another close call at the burning bush. So there's different manifestation. Certainly Jesus shows up and shows us God uh, in human form, and it's just amazing, right? But as far as seeing God's face outside of Jesus showing up on earth, we don't have any accounts of that. But the closest we have, there's two accounts, and this is one of them is a descriptive by the prophet Ezekiel of the face of God. And here it is. The characteristics of God shows up in the face of a lion, the face of an ox, the face of an eagle, and the face of a human. You see this uh, similar scripture shows back up. The apostle John in the book of Revelation chapter 4 recounts a very similar descriptive where there's worshiping around the throne of God. And again, uh, theologians kind of rest in the fact that this is the best descriptive we have, the best tangible descriptive we have of the face of God. And obviously it's very limited, but there's so much we can learn from this. So what does this mean to you and I? I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. It says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, the Spirit. So what Paul is saying is we can look at one another's faces and see a reflection of God's face. And I think that that's what Ezekiel has a vision of here. He has a vision of the reflection of God's face through this this being that is described here. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Now, I think, so we want to live into the image of God. So I think that one of the things that we want to do is pay attention to these faces, the four faces, I will call them today, the four faces of a passionate Christ follower, the four faces of a passionate follower of Christ, the Imago Dei. Some would say these are the four faces of the kingdom of God. Some others, I've heard them say it's the four faces of worship getting that from the book of Revelation. Others have said this is the four faces of a leader, and certainly it is. this scripture is kind of reflected as the four faces of God. No doubt that there is a descriptive and there are parallels between the way God wants us to live in these faces. First is the face of a lion. The face of a lion is the face of courage. It's, it's a picture of the courage for you to be you. Now, understand when courage is used in Scripture and as a descriptive and the word faith, they are interchangeable on almost every level. God says through the word that uh, without faith, or you could insert courage, without courage it's impossible to please God. The truth about you and me is we can't really do anything without being courageous. It takes courage to do pretty much everything that you and I do. 
One definition is this. It says to have courage is to act outwardly on what is seen and known inwardly. So those things that we get prompted in, that we sense are right, that we have convictions about, it takes us courage to act those things out, to live into those things. The converse of that is you can just die a dreamer. You can die someone that's always having things knowing on the inside, but never living into those things. It would be like living in the land of woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? Nobody wants to live there. So to be courageous means to live with the face of a lion. Now, if you want to be normal, if you want to be mediocre, if you're not concerned about living into the God image and the likeness that you've been created in, then just don't be courageous, just do what the crowd does, dress like the crowd dresses, act like the, like the crowd acts, do what they do, go where they go, say what they say, believe what they believe all the time, spend like they spend their money, live the way they live, think like they think, and once you have given up all of your uniqueness in God, all of the ways that God has created you, once you have given up the face of the lion, you'll no longer need courage. You can live this life without courage. Just go with the flow. It's kind of like a lazy river life. But it takes courage to live into the person that you were created to be. Face of a lion. Say it. Face of a lion. Face of a lion. It takes courage to be successful. It takes courage to be the person that God created you to be. It takes courage to get up in the morning and say, I am going to live into and lean into the person that God wants me to be. Yes, yesterday had some failures. Yesterday might have had some mistakes. Yesterday had some shortcomings on my part. But today I am rising up in courage. It's far easier to be average and mediocre. There's no doubt about it. If you want to be average and mediocre, don't worry about courage. But it takes courage to be different takes courage to break with culture. It takes courage to live in a way that expands your borders. It takes courage to win. It takes courage to excel. It takes courage to live and be on the increase. It takes courage to be generous. It doesn't take courage to not be generous. It doesn't take any courage to not give anything of yourself. That takes no courage. If you want to be courageous, do some things that seem like they are so out of this world because we serve a God who is trying to get us to live in an upside-down way, in an out-of-this-world way. See, when it comes to generosity, for instance, it's just easier to hold your stuff, right? It doesn't take any courage to do that. Although I would say that you have some other big problems you'll have to deal with. It takes courage to become wealthy with integrity. It takes courage to be not only generous, but to stand up to attacks to stand up in the midst of storms, to stand up when there are naysayers about your life. It takes courage to live in spite of your mistakes and to live into your destiny, the face of a lion. To live your faith, to be faithful takes courage, to have integrity takes courage, to help the hurting takes courage, to be loyal takes courage, to love takes courage, to care takes courage. To live sacrificially takes courage. To live in faith takes courage. To live wisely takes courage. To pursue the education that you know you need to pursue takes courage. And in the midst of a weak and watered down world and society full of lazy opinions, reality TV, 
The question for all of us is who will live with the face of the lion and pursue the God-given destiny and dream imprinted on your life and mine. There's a guy in the Bible, his name is Joshua. Joshua is the person that takes over after Moses dies. He's a young man. He's lived faithfully as kind of Moses' right-hand person, faithful to God. And he has the daunting task of doing what Moses was not able to do before he died. And it was to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Joshua chapter 1 is loaded with the word, fear not, be strong and courageous. Live into your destiny. This is what you were created for, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Three times, the third time it says, be strong and very courageous. Because Moses had brought them to this kind of precipice of the promised land, but now it was Joshua's design. He was created to bring this group of people into this promised land, which would be full of warfare. There would be battles to come, even though it was the promised land. There would be things to still drive out. But with the face of a lion, Joshua took the people in. He entered in. There's a woman in the Old Testament, Queen Esther. It's Esther who, again, uh, is with her people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, and they are about to be uh, destroyed by the, by the king and by the ruling government in spite of the fact that Esther was the queen. But it wasn't a kingdom over Israel. Israel was basically just the servants of the kingdom. And I love what Esther, because she rises up with a face of a lion and she says, who knows, if I perish, I perish. Powerful words of courage. The face of a lion because she has to make a stand for her people. She takes a chance to do what she knows may actually give up her life. But she simply says, I was created for this moment. I was created in the Imago Dei. I have the face of a lion, the face of courage. This was what I was created for. This is one of those moments in my life. What is your moment? What is it that God wants you to be courageous about today? What is it that God wants you to be even more uh, committed to when it comes to the face of a lion? The second face is the face of an ox. Now, in the Bible, the ox was used for basically two things. There's two reasons you see them show up in Scripture. The one was to plow fields. Ox were known as strength and service and reliable And then they were also utilized in the Old Testament to lay down their life in sacrifice. Hmm. So they are looked at as the consummate servants laying down their life in sacrifice. Sounds like someone else we know, Jesus, the consummate servant laying down his life in sacrifice. You know, it's interesting because uh, this is becoming, I think, a little bit more big. There's this whole issue of the bucket list. You see it on Facebook, but there's been movies made about it now, right, where people kind of describe, before I die, this is what I want to do. 
and they have this bucket list. Maybe some of you have the bucket list, right? And then there's the trips you want to take, and usually it's, you know, maybe a purchase that wants to be made, or maybe the list has 10 things, whatever it is, and you kind of mark it off. And it's significant about my life is only going to be this long on earth. And it's interesting because Jesus had a bucket list as well, a little bit different than most bucket lists. Jesus, knowing that he's going to die within a couple of days, actually a day or so, he knows he's about to be crucified on a cross. He knows he's going to be a sacrifice. He decides he will be the consummate service servant. It's Jesus who decides his bucket list will be one of washing feet. There is no clear picture of the face of service, the face of an ox, than the way Jesus lives into the bucket list of his life at the end. There's the Last Supper. It's the end of Jesus' life. He senses it, and he decides that he's going to not just break bread with those in the room, but he's going to wash feet. The Scripture says they have the meal, and then Jesus gets up from the table. One version says he pushes himself away from the table. And it's such a beautiful picture of sacrifice. See, you can't serve if you don't come away from the table. The first question for all of us is, Are we simply sitting at the table? Is our life just about being at a table where we are all about having our needs provided for, having everything that we need cared for and tended to? Or have we pushed ourselves away from the table? Jesus' priority for service is mind-boggling here. This issue of foot washing in the last moments of his life is critical and a critical picture. He is presenting to us in a clear form the face of an ox. See, some people come to the table and they stay at the table and they feed over and over and over. They take in whatever that can be consumed. They take it in for their pleasure, for their entertainment, for their own purposes, for their own self-focus. Never stopping to think that I have a responsibility to push myself away from the table. I have to get away from the table. The table is important. Getting, getting refreshed and getting taken care of, having my needs met, that's critical. But there comes this moment, and our lives should be full of these moments where we push away from the table. What we receive at the table is what we should be, what we should be burning off all week long, Monday through Saturday. What we receive at the table, whether it's in a life group, whether it's a church, whether it's in our time with God, all of those moments of refreshing and infilling and provision in our life is meant to be for just as Jesus did to push away from the table and begin to get down on our knees and serve, serve the world that we've been sent to be a part of and to transform, be a part, transforming part. Not to just feed over and over and over the face of an ox. The scripture says when supper ended that Jesus rose up. Jesus rose up. He pushed himself away from the table. And then it says that he laid his garments aside. Jesus lays his garments aside as a picture to each and every one of us is you cannot, he doesn't go right to foot washing. He lays aside his garments. The scripture tells us it's a picture of Jesus laying aside agenda. And it's an invitation for all of us. You cannot live into the face of an ox, the kind of true service that God, the sacrificial service that God has invited you and I to without putting aside our garments, putting aside our agenda. It's critical that we put aside our agenda in order to serve. 
we lay aside our garments, we lay aside our agenda, we cannot serve God's purposes, the, the, the invitation to fully serve without giving up our agenda. If your life and my life is all about our own agenda, we will never live into this manifestation of this prophetic word. This is where the scripture where Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Essentially what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God over our own kingdom, the will of God over our own will, our own agenda. See, what I have found in my, this is really profound, this is a profound statement. I know you guys are really going to just be excited to hear this. This is one of those like you're going to want to put this one on your refrigerator. Selfish people do not serve. Get that, right? Isn't that like, isn't that like, that's just revelation. Selfish people do not serve. Selfish people stay at the table, keep eating. Selfish people don't serve the Lord. Selfish people don't serve their family. Selfish people don't serve their neighbors. Selfish people don't serve their generation. Everything, when we're selfish, is centered around our own well-being and comfort. Face of an ox. It's all centered around self-preservation. When we're living selfishly, when a person lives selfishly, it's whatever they receive is for their own consumption. What are you receiving that you are not paying attention at all to the fact that it may not be yours to consume? Where is it that you're pushing away from the table? See, it's interesting. Selfish people, they want to be served uh, they they like to get to be they like to get served. They appreciate good service, but they are also very critical of service. They like good service because they like to be served. So good service is good. They have high standards for their own satisfaction, but they simply don't consider serving. Face of an ox. Face of an ox. If Jesus served. At this level, knowing he's about to die, at what level should I be serving at? Is there anything at all in my life that should ever exempt me from serving, sacrificially serving, face of an ox? Not wealth, not education, not living status, not influence, not power. If Jesus got down and washed feet, Face of an ox. Shouldn't I be washing some feet? See, the problem with self-focus is it comes in and self and consumption is it, it manifests itself in things like acquisition of stuff can somehow make my life more fulfilled, but it's just not true. If we pay any attention to it, we realize it. It may bring momentary happiness, like getting that big pay raise or getting that acquisition you've been after, but it does not bring long-term happiness, and it certainly doesn't bring joy. It just doesn't do that, and it never aids us when things get tough. See, the greatest and best moments of your life and mine are when we, when we not, not receive those can be great, good moments, but it's when you gave something away. Everyone would say that. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to serve than to be served. This is Jesus' core teaching. 
to be positioned to help out is one of life's greatest privileges. I love when Claire prays for the offering. She does this, she did it today. And she says, we pray for anyone that is not able to put into the offering. I love that, the prayer of provision. But I think that we need to hear what's being said in addition. It's like the things that aren't literally said but are said. Thank you, God, for the incredible privilege of being positioned to be able to give today. What a privilege to be able to refresh somebody. And this is what this foot washing is all about. You do realize that. So Jesus, he gets out the towel, he pulls out a bucket, he starts to wash feet. Now in this culture, first of all, they should have washed feet when they first came in. Jesus waits to this strategic moment. But what the host at a party or at a dinner is saying when they wash feet or they have their servants wash feet is simply this. There's this statement, to be in my house is to be a refreshing experience for you. Couple questions. How are you refreshing people? Question for us corporately. How are we as a, as a church family, as a faith community doing refreshing people? See, some people only want to know what they get. What are the benefits for me in this? What's in this for me? What's coming my way? What's coming down the pike? How does all this look for me? What will I get? We are trained in entitlement. We have moved in our culture from a place where we were, when we were younger, we were trained at some level in general. We were trained to move away from the dinner table. And now we are trained to stay at the table and eat. Face of an ox. Push away from the table. I love what T.D. Jakes makes this statement. He says when he was growing up, his mom used to say, Son, make sure that you will be missed when you're gone. The question for all of us at some point needs to be brought up consistently in our life. How will I be missed? Will my presence not be, if I walked out this door today to never come back in here again, how would that be felt? Face of an ox, face of a lion, face of an ox, face of an eagle. I just encourage you when it comes to eagle, to that's the face of vision, just to listen to last week's talk. So we're running out of time here. Check out this picture, though. After we had our talk last week, our conversation, I was getting, I was, Claire and I were getting uh, pictures of eagles that you had all seen in the last couple of weeks, and this was one of them. Isn't that awesome? Taken off after this eagle had just come down on the ground. This was Brian Lewis sent me this one. We were getting, like, inundated with eagles. I think you guys are like, I think God's doing something in us with eagles, but... Know this, know this, you and I were meant or created for high spaces. You were meant to make a difference, and storms were simply, I will repeat what I said last week, part of what I said last week, storms are simply a catalyst to take you to a higher place. 
face of a lion, courageous face of an ox, sacrificial servanthood, face of an eagle, people of vision, people that can discern and see, and face of a human, the face of compassion, the face of love, the face that Jesus shows throughout his life. It's the face where you can find treasure in plain sight. It's interesting. Um, Jesus was amazing at paying attention, noticing people. And I have to admit, this is one of the places in my life I just, I want to grow more. I want to grow in all of these areas. And this one, I just want to grow more. I want to... I want to be more attentive to people because what can happen is we can, we can just miss. Jesus, in Luke six seventeen it says, And Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with the great crowd, with his disciples and a great multitude of people. And then it talks about how Jesus just starts to heal people. But I love this scripture. Jesus came down with them on the plain, one version says came down to humanity's level, paid attention. It's easy to not pay attention. It's easy to not see what the needs are. And it's certainly easy if you're not paying attention to not respond to the needs. But there is treasure in plain sight, and this is where compassion and love and humanity, where the rubber meets the road for it. We are surrounded by people created, breathed into existence in the image of God. There's no eyes that you and I ever look into that don't have the fingerprint of God on their life. No matter what's going on in their life, they are a God design. And what can happen in the midst of trying to be loving and compassionate people is we have to simply pay attention remember years ago, um, Carlo Thomas from Haiti, Carlo told us that there was a little boy, Joseph, and um, he, was, he was orphaned, and um, somebody was using the outhouse, and they, they heard a child, they heard a voice uh, crying in the outhouse, and to make a real long story short, they, they went to this outhouse and found that this little boy had been discarded in the outhouse. He was still alive, but the intent of whoever placed him here obviously was just to end his life. And if somebody wouldn't have paid attention, Joseph would have been done. His life on earth would have been over. He's a beautiful picture of finding treasure in horrible places. No matter what you think of the world, no matter what you think of what's going on, we are called to have the face of humanity, to live with acts of compassion and love. Understand this, anytime you and I ever do anything in love and with compassion, it always means more to the person that we extend love and compassion to than it costs us to do it. It always does. It doesn't matter how small that extension of compassion and love is. It doesn't matter how large it is. 
it always has a greater return than what we invest. We have friends in Haiti, and it's easy to put hard things out of our mind. We have friends in Haiti we've been working with from really the beginning of this church. Pastor Carlo, we, we do the school uh, box uh, project at the end of the summer. We'll do that. We've been doing that for years to help the kids get enrolled in school and get food and such. We do the, the Christmas project every year. We've been doing that for years. We've been doing other things on top of that. And Carlo could be easy to forget because Haiti's not here. Haiti's not even in front of us, right? And the people of Haiti are not in front of us. Some of us will never meet the people that we have tried to help in Haiti. Most of us will never meet them. But to live with the face of humanity is to pay attention to, our, to the people that we are called to pay attention to. Anyway, Carlo um, started communicating with us just a few weeks ago. Things have been really, really bad in Haiti. It's not good in Haiti. It's never been good, but it's really bad right now. And there's several needs, but I'm just going to talk to you about a couple um, because we want to live with humanity here. We want to be compassionate, loving people and respond in a way that we can respond. I can inspire you. Claire can inspire you. We can inspire one another. But at the end of the day, we need to get practical about some of the stuff that we talk about, right? So anyway, Carlo, uh, many of you know that we bought a truck for Carlo, uh, for the people of Haiti, for the ministry in Haiti. Uh, I don't know how many years ago that was, that engine on that truck, and that is like the main resource for them to get around country and to uh, get to the churches and the schools. The ministry uh, utilizes that as a centerpiece. It would be like uh, us, think about in your own life, something that's core, your house, kind of. So... um, the truck, the engine has now, it's, no, it's blown. The engine's no good, essentially. So we are working on trying to get that replaced, which is no small fee. But um, another, I think, more personal issue is Pastor Aiden. This is Pastor Aiden. Picture Pastor Aiden. Pa- Pastor Aiden wearing uh, a suit of mine that I gave him from the time before that. And he's smiling in this picture because I think he likes the suit that I'm wearing there, and he's about to get that one. <laughs> anyway... They like start putting in bids when you go on a mission trip, like who's going to get, who they size you up. That guy's about my size. That woman's like, she'll fit. That's my wife's size. That's, oh. Anyway, um, our dear brothers and sisters. So Pastor Aiden was evicted from his home, which home is a very loose term. Claire and I have been to his home and um, I, can't, I can't even describe it. But needless to say, he and his wife and children were evicted from their home. And these are the things that happen. There's no justice in Haiti. You can just, a landlord can just say, you're done. And basically, the family is with family, and Aiden is essentially on the streets. So uh, the question came up right away, well, why doesn't Aiden just live in the church? And there's issues of cultural Dignity and there's a bunch of things involved. But they need our help to get back into a home. They'd like to just purchase a place so they wouldn't have a landlord. They weren't laid on rent. There wasn't anything like that going on. They were just told they had to leave. Can't take it to court. Nothing will happen. You just basically start living on the street. 
So we want to take an offering specifically for these needs in Haiti. So we're going to we're going to present this. These I've already told Carla we're taking an offering today, and it'll be for trying to get Pastor Aiden and Manise, his wife, uh, back in and their babies back into their home or a home, and. Um, and then uh, also the truck. So I just ask that we would pray. I, I want to live into, all of us want to live into face of a lion, to have courage, that we would be people of face of an ox, that we would be sacrificial servants, face of an eagle, people of vision, And, oh, God, even now, let us in a practical way live with the face of a human, loving, compassionate. We pray for a miracle for our friends. We we believe from it. We've seen it before. For these people we love so much, we come down on the plane, down into this space that many of us could never relate to. Our car has a problem. We go to the shop. never evicted the vast majority of us never even have thought about that some of us have struggled with that and God let your grace reign in all of our lives but we pray for a miracle we pray that you would use us the face of humanity face of people let us come down and feel with compassion these beautiful people in Haiti As we pass these baskets, we pray for miracles to happen and have your way, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pass these around, so if you guys wouldn't mind, just pass them around in your section. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul.
this offering, and it's because the Haitians sing this to us in English when we're there. So it's one of the songs they will sing in English, and they don't even know the language, but they will sing, Bless the Lord, in English. So we want to bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray that, God, that we would have the heart that has been displayed to us through the courage of the lion, the face of the lion, the face of the eagle, the face of the ox, and the face of humanity. Bless my friends. Let them bring the face of God to their world this week. In Jesus' name. Bless the Lord.